0: Hey, church, happy new year. It is the first weekend of the month. It is the first weekend of the year. So that means we are going to be taking communion together. So please pause the video, obtain some kind of bread and some kind of cup and get your heart ready to do that. Um, You know, despite my request to get this gift, I did not receive a magic wand for Christmas that I can wave and make all the problems go away. I asked for it. Erica didn't get it for me. I'm holding a grudge. Um, But it's a new year. And we have reason to be hopeful because Jesus is doing what he is doing. He is bringing the church together. He is knitting our hearts together. I believe there is reason for joy and optimism this year. Let's get this year started off right and sing a joyful song of praise. Ready? Here we go. This week, Pastor John taught about Jesus as the good shepherd, and I kind of want to lean into that as we think about communion this week. Um, Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior means accepting accepting the image of of shepherd, and that means that we are uh, the sheep. Uh, So sometimes that's an issue of pride. That's, That's hard to accept for folks because... Uh, That means that we have to turn over our will and accept Jesus' leadership when he says, go here, not there. That way is scary. That way is going to get you. This is the way that leads to uh, still waters and green pastures. And accepting Jesus as shepherd is, is a part of the communion. It's a part of the process. Um, Yes, we are bound together as a church in communion. Yes, we are bound together to God by the power of Jesus' blood as we celebrate communion. Um, But Jesus as the shepherd, uh, that's a part of the deal. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What kind of shepherd is he? Let's be reminded from Isaiah chapter 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The Lord is going to lead you and shepherd you tenderly through this new year. Let us prepare our hearts for communion by singing this great old hymn.
1: My shepherd but will supply my need Ch-
0: Christ remains the good shepherd. He is going to lead you and I through a good year. I believe that with all my heart. Um, This is his body. He loved his people, his sheep so much that he offered up his body as a sacrifice so that we could follow him, so that we could know the sound of our shepherd's voice, eat and remember Jesus. Scripture says that all of us like sheep have gone astray and the Lord Jesus shed his own blood as a pathway for the sheep to come home so that they could just be gathered back into the flock he took that on he took on your sin he took on my sin he is the good shepherd would you drink and remember the blood of Christ
2: Well, happy new year, everyone. Happy 2021 full disclosure. We are actually filming on Tuesday night. It is still 2020 right now at this moment. So I'm just assuming that you guys are sitting in 2021 bliss. I can only imagine what the future will hold. No more 2020. I am so excited for you right now. I'm excited for future me. Man, what a time to be alive. know, nope, 2021. Well, hey everybody, I'm Josh. I have a couple of announcements for you. Uh, first of all, if there's anything that we could be praying for you for in the new year, please text any prayer request to 97000. We'd love to pray for you this week. Giving, the end of the year finished really strong. It's been super encouraging uh, to just see your faithfulness uh, in a tangible, tangible way. And uh we don't have the total number tallied quite yet, uh, but we will be getting that to you soon and very excited to share uh about your end-of-the-year giving and uh seeing what the future is gonna hold and uh some of those projects that we can tackle. So thank you again uh for that. If you would like to continue to give, go ahead and do so uh to start off 2021 the right way. You can give online or mail in a check. Um As far as other announcements, uh, I don't necessarily at this moment here on this Tuesday uh, before the new year, I don't have any concrete information to give you as far as what we're going to be doing here starting the new year as far as opening back up goes. Uh, I would just love to ask for your prayer. Um, We have been having a lot of conversations um the elder board is meeting tomorrow night to talk through a bunch of things and we're just trying to navigate this situation to the best of our ability and uh so we honestly would just love um your prayer uh as we're just trying to wrestle through this navigate and do this the wisest the best way the most god honoring way as possible um thank you just for your trust Um, for trusting our leadership in this steps ahead. And uh, man, we're just in it together. We love you guys. And uh, just looking forward to being together in the future. Go ahead and look for an email from Pastor Scott. going to give you all uh, the the details about when we are getting back up and running in person. We love you guys. And uh, it's great being together online. But man, excited to be back together in person as well. Well, that is all I have for you today Uh, other than to intro my best bud, Mr. Chris Kerner, gets to speak the word today, opening God's word up. So even in your homes, if you guys could do a little standing ovation, kids, get on your feet, Mr. Chris Kerner,
3: preacher extraordinaire, here he is. Okay, all right, thank you, thank you. You guys can take a seat, Josh. Thank you for that awesome introduction, Uh, and again, congratulations, you guys. You completed 2020. It is when you are watching this 2021. We did it. Like we finished it. It's awesome. So glad. Uh, but I got to be honest, it's a little sad for us because we, we love Christmas so much, just, just like you. And, and even last night, I think one of the sad things is taking down all the Christmas uh, decorations. And even last night, Christina and I, we were just kind of in our living room uh, looking at the fire and looking at just the Christmas tree, knowing in a few days it was going to be taken down uh, because we love Christmas traditions and we have so many of them. And one of the things that we love to do is we love on Christmas Eve night to watch Polar Express with our kids, with hot chocolate and, and with their uh, new Christmas pajamas. And Polar Express, who doesn't love Polar Express, right? Josh, have you seen Polar Express? Come on, oh my goodness. You have not seen Wizard of Oz. You have not seen Polar Express. Lindsay, you gotta have like a movie night. Like just, just like go to Blockbuster and get those movies and watch them. Uh, yeah, so Polar Express, really? Well, we at the Kerners, we love to watch uh, Polar Express. And if you haven't seen it, uh, it's about these boys and girls uh, who start to not believe in Santa. And then they get picked up by the Polar Express uh, a train uh, on Christmas Eve night, and then they get kind of like taken on an adventure in a whimsical way, and they end up at the North Pole. And then there's this boy who gets to the North Pole, and he, he sees the elves, he, he sees like the big Christmas tree, and he sees all the kids laughing and singing and, and the music, and, but he doesn't hear it. And he sees the door open and he sees what kind of looks like Santa and everyone's cheering, but he doesn't see his face. He, he sees the sleigh, but he doesn't hear the, the sleigh bells and he doesn't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, one of the sleigh bells kind of pops off the sleigh and it kind of rolls right to him, yet there's no sound. And everyone is cheering because they hear the sleigh bells. And he picks up the sleigh bell and he shakes it and he doesn't hear it. He shakes it again, he doesn't hear it. And then all of a sudden he closes his eyes and he says, I believe, I believe, I believe. And on the third, I believe, he shakes it and he hears it. And everything that was muted around him is now alive. And all of a sudden in the reflection of the bell is the person that he's been waiting for. The person that he's been waiting to see that he was trying to believe, which is Santa in the reflection of the bell. And this got me thinking, this is kind of what we're kind of talking about today in John chapter 10, is that we're going to see that the Pharisees are kind of like this boy, that they've seen all the signs, they've seen the miracles, they know the prophecies, but yet they don't believe. So before we dive into chapter 10, let me pray and then we'll get into it. Father God, we thank you for a new year, Lord. We thank you that 2020 is over But we also thank, we're so thankful for Christmas. We thank you that families got to be together and we got to celebrate and that we got to uh, just share gifts and remember uh, ultimately what Christmas is about, which was the birth of you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you go before me, that you speak through me as we open up your word, Lord. And uh, we thank you for this opportunity to do church together, even though it's online. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to chapter 10. We're going to start with verse 19. But before we dive into uh, chapter 10, a couple of notes and a quick recap uh, for some context. Um, To believe is kind of our theme uh, in this passage. And what's interesting is that John's gospel, the series that we've been going through, is referred to as the gospel of believing or the gospel of belief. And 98 times in the gospel of John, the word believe appears. And seven times the word believe appears in this passage alone that we're going to look at. Because believing in Christ really is like the question, right? It's the eternal question. Even in John 3, 16, we have to believe in him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes In him should not perish, but have eternal life. A little recap, two weeks ago in John chapter nine, uh, Pastor Scott did a fantastic job teaching uh, where Jesus heals the blind man on the Sabbath. Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor John did a great job opening up uh, the first half of John chapter 10, uh, talking about uh, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, the shepherd that's gonna lay down his life for, uh, for us. And here, starting in verse 19, we're going to see that the Jews have an answer for Jesus' response with the Good Shepherd passage. So chapter 10, verse 19, here we go. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open The eyes of the blind. So we see here in this passage that there is division among the Jews. Uh, There's a debate going on here of who Jesus was and where did he get his powers from. Although there was division, there was one thing that they all had uh, that they all had in common. They did understand and know that Jesus was not just a man. They they saw too much. Uh, They know that uh, there is no denying of the miracles that had happened. Some thought that demon possession was the reason why Jesus could do what he did Uh, because there was no denying the miracles. There's no denying the eyewitness accounts and the things that they saw. But they believed that these uh, miracles were not from above, but from below, from Satan, uh, which is why they talk about demon possession. Uh, But the other Jews knew that the charge of demon possession went against, actually, Old Testament teaching, that it is the Lord who gives sight to the blind. In Psalm 146, 8, it says, The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Jesus was educated. He was uh, articulate. He was composed. He was graceful. He had power over the demons. If you remember, the demons begged him to throw him into, or throw them into the pigs. And here's my question regarding this little section, a little bit of apologetics: is if Jesus really was a demon possessed man, why would the disciples follow him relentlessly for three years? Why would they lay down their nets and leave the tax booth and leave everything that they did and end up preaching boldly the kingdom of God? Why would they end up being persecuted and dying for their faith in Jesus? if Jesus was just a demon-possessed man. I think they would have noticed within a day or two that there was something off about him. Uh, Anyways, we can spend hours on that alone, but we'll continue on into verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So quick little thing here. So some time has passed here from uh, verse 21 to 22. It was fall and now it's winter. It's been a couple of months. And, and this is going into uh, the end of Jesus's public ministry, the, the second half of chapter 10 and the second half of the gospel of John is actually going into the events of leading up to the Passion Week, leading up to the arrest and crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So this is the end of Jesus's public ministry. But we see that there's a a festival going on during this time, and it's the uh, Feast of Dedication. So what is the Feast of Dedication? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is the Festival of Lights. It is Hanukkah. Uh, It's the eight-day celebration of the rededication of the Jewish temple that happened in December of 164 BC uh, after the Maccabees had uh, led the charge against the Greek opposition to make sure that the Jewish religious freedoms were not taken away but restored. Uh, The Greeks would put idols and gods into their temples, and then they would ban all teachings of the Old Testament and all practices of the Jewish uh, religion. celebrated for eight days because of the oil that was found in the temple. Uh, It was only supposed to last one day, but in fact, it lasted eight days. The oil lasting was a miracle uh, and a sign that God was still with them, even in the darkest of times. It doesn't matter if you're a Pharisee or just a common person. If you're a boy or a girl uh, and you were Jewish, you knew and understood the importance of the Feast of Dedication. But they also knew and believed that there would be a deliverer promised to them much greater than Judah Maccabee. A deliverer that would not just restore the religious freedoms, but to make all things right. A deliverer to take away all the sins. The coming Messiah that Moses wrote about so frequently in the Old Testament. And we see here that the Jews are asking are you the guy? Are are you the Christ? Are are you the Messiah? Are you the deliverer? Simple, yes or no. He says, they they say, tell us plainly. And and I think, notice their tone. They're they're, they're very direct and very uh, hostile. And They want answers immediately. And, And I think, wow, chill out, like relax. But then I also think, man, am I so different? Like, are we so different? Like, don't we get so like, God, tell me now. Tell me when. Tell me, like answer my prayers like immediately, tell me what you want me to do. So for me, just reading that was a little bit of a gut check. Maybe, um, maybe I have more in common with the, with the Pharisees than I like to admit. Uh, but they're asking yet, after everything that they've seen, they're asking, are you him? See, they believe that the Messiah is coming, but unfortunately, they doubt that he is the one. Now, there are a few reasons why they doubt that Jesus is uh, the, the coming uh, deliverer, uh, first off, it was a, socially, it was a scandalous birth. Uh, he, Jesus did not come from a royal family, let alone a, a wealthy family. Uh, John the Baptist was his cousin, uh, and so on, and so on, and also, they doubted because he just appeared to be just a regular Jewish man, a, a Jewish man that had some abilities, um, some powers that's pointed mainly toward powers from below not from above. So he did not look like the deliverer that God had promised would come. So they doubted. Moving on to verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And Jesus goes back to the teaching of the good shepherd, which Pastor John did such a great job teaching on the first half of chapter 10. If you missed that, go back and watch that. Uh, But Jesus answers the the works that have been presented in front of you for three years. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. Um, And he goes on to say, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. First, I, I just love that he calls us his sheep. It's very possessive. He's possessive over us. We're his children. He protects us. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I think about this, uh, knowing a voice just by hearing it is a very intimate thing. It shows an intimate, close relationship. And Jesus says, my sheep, they, they, they know my voice. And I got to thinking uh, our, our, our sweet baby, uh, Kennedy, she is seven months old. And uh, for the first couple of months, uh, she only knew Christina's voice. And I would often come in and, and she wouldn't pay any attention to me. And I would be like, blah, 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 and nothing. She would cry. But after a while, after daily interactions, after intentional interactions with her and playing with her, being committed to getting to know her. Um, now I walk into her room about a month or two later or uh, ago. Uh, she smiles. She, she lights up. She, she'll be playing. Then I'll come in from work. And then she'll hear my voice. And without even seeing me, she'll turn around and give me the biggest gummy smile ever. It's the cutest thing. And it got me thinking, like, she knows my voice. She knows my voice. Even in the middle of other voices, she hears my voice. And I wonder... Do you hear his voice? Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear it loud and clear like Jesus says? And if not, well, how do we get to that point? How do we hear it? It's the same thing as the same way by me getting to know Kennedy. as by having that daily relationship with him. By growing through God's word and through worship and community and prayer with him. Um, they start to hear his voice. I tell students uh, all the time that God's voice is yet, yes, powerful enough to, to speak and create the universe and, and all that, but so often it's so soft in our lives. And we let so many other voices and distractions kind of dilute the sound of his voice. And even for us adults, there's voices in our lives that kind of steal God's voice away from us hearing it. Distractions like politics and vaccines and Corona and Zoom and jobs and so on and so on. But when our priorities are in line and we're intentional, it makes it easier to hear his voice. In verse 28, Jesus says, I give them them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Man, I love this image, this truth that that, that we are in great hands. Uh, Jesus says that He has us in, in His hand, and the Father, the, God, the Father has us in His hand. And also in Deuteronomy, it says that we are in the everlasting arms of God. So you might wonder if God. Is even near sometimes, but Jesus is telling us that we are being held by him constantly. So, even in those darkest and scariest and most uncertain times, man, just be remembered, just remember this passage that we are in great hands, we are in his hands. Moving on to verse 31, the tone starts to change here a little bit. Verse 31 says that the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? First off, really, like, this is the guy you're going to stone? Like, the the guy who has been healing leprosy and, and having blind men see, blind men see, and the people who are deaf, they're hearing. He's feeding, like, thousands of people, yet you're going to stone him. Like that's, the I don't know, just the last person that I would want to kill. Seems like a good guy to to have around, but the tone changes. Uh, They want to stone him. Verse 33, the Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, it is not written in your law. uh, Is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into this world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Verse 37, if I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Wow. So we kind of go into this whole rabbinical argument. Uh, The Jews are not liking what Jesus is saying. The Jews are using Leviticus, Old Testament law, uh, for grounds to legally stone Jesus uh, for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. Not only do they not believe in his claims, uh, the the I am's that we're starting to study in the series, uh, the I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd. They also don't believe in the works, the miracles, in the healings that they've seen and that they've heard about. It's important to note that Jesus didn't just claim to be God. He did prove it through the works. He proved it through uh, miracles, through the healings, through... Uh, everything that he did through the scriptures, and Jesus is stating, "How can the works be done if he and the Father are not one?" Actually, if we slow down a little bit, this is really ama- an amazing section because uh, this is actually prophesied uh, by Isaiah in Isaiah 53, hundreds and hundreds of years before this even took place. And Isaiah 53 it states this: He, being Jesus, was despised. And rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In response to them using Levitical law to stone him, Jesus kind of flips the table and uses their own tactics against them. He pointed out how God's own scriptures used the term for gods mentioned in Psalm 82. Gods meaning little g uh, in reference to uh, human beings being called little g gods. Uh, There were actually judges during that time. Uh, This left the Pharisees with one of two options. After Jesus said this, this left the Pharisees with one of two options. The first one being uh, claim that the word of God was in error claim that the word of God was an error, which is an option that Jesus flat out rejected. Or the second option that the Jews have to respond to this is that admit that some such instances are appropriate, that Jesus was not a man with a lowercase g, God, but God, big G, God, that became a man by his own doing. Jesus states, scripture cannot be broken. Circle, underline, highlight. That's a major, major verse. Scripture cannot be broken. The statement of the truth of the Bible. You can't just pick and choose scriptures to use. I love that Jesus uses the Old Testament here to refute their claims. He does actually quite often. Uh, Jesus refers to the Old Testament scriptures 64 times. 64 different times. Jesus uses the Old Testament scriptures through the Gospels. And Jesus understood the authoritative nature of the Old Testament. Well, they didn't like his answer and his uh, rebuttal toward them. And uh, they had heard enough. Uh, So verse 39, we end in this section. It says, Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Well, we see we see that Jesus goes back to where it all started in his public ministry. He goes back to the Jordan River where John the Baptist uh, baptized him, and it's an amazing moment where Jesus does get baptized and, and you see a dove, the Holy Spirit coming down. And then the people there that are witnessing that, they actually hear God's voice. It's an incredible account. But Jesus goes back to where it all started. And just to kind of go back a little bit, it says that Jesus escaped. Let's be real. Like he didn't like hide because he was scared. He wasn't like terrified of dying. He, he wasn't like shaking in his sandals or something like, like he's God, like he knew exactly the timeline. Uh, he goes back to prepare for what's going to happen in a few months, which will be Passion Week, which will be the march back into Jerusalem to be the uh, the grand finale there. This section states that many believed in him. They believed because of two main reasons in this account. Uh, first, people's testimonies. Many people believe because of what they saw, uh, the miracles that they witnessed, Uh, the eyewitness accounts, uh, the feedings of thousands, and so on, and so on, and so on. And the other reason why many believe is because of John's relationship with Jesus. And I don't know, for me, John's relationship with Jesus, John being the cousin of Jesus, authenticates Jesus's deity of being the Lamb of God. And the reason is because... um, I don't know like what it would take for you, but for me to say that my cousin takes the sins of the world, like my cousin is God, like, like I love my cousins. And and I just, I would never say that unless it was really, really true. So the fact that they're saying, they're seeing John claiming that Jesus is the son of God, uh, they believe they're like, okay, no one would do that. No one would do that. Uh, so, uh, this passage ends with such good news that many believed. Many believed. But it's also sad because the Jews who questioned Jesus, who were waiting for the coming of the deliverer, they missed it. There was, he was standing right in front of them. And as they were asking, are you him? Are you the deliverer that we've been waiting for? Are you the Messiah that Moses has written about? They didn't like what he, he said, and, and actually they tried to kill him. He was right in front of them the whole time, and they didn't believe. We'll close with kind of this thought. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I read this passage, and I just I kind of get frustrated with how badly they missed it, uh, that, that they had Jesus the Messiah right in front of them, right in front of them. What that would have been like? They were waiting for him. How could they have missed it, right? How could they have not seen the things that they saw and not believe? But then I think about my life and I wonder again, am I so different? Am I that much different from them? How many times have I lacked faith or believe that God was going to do the impossible like so many other times before? How many times have I lacked the ability to believe that God was going to get me through a mess or a situation or that valley that I've been in? or through 2020, right? As 2020 has ended, and now we're in 2021, my hope and prayer is that we cling onto the truth of who Jesus is and what he has already done for us in the past. That as scripture says, as what Jesus says, he, he holds us in his hands. He is the great comforter. and May we let Jesus continue to be the Lord of our life through all the days and believe that he is the Messiah, that now we are waiting to return, that we are waiting for him to come and take us home. Let me pray. Well, Father God, we thank you so much for this chance to open up your word. Um, even though we can't be on campus, uh, we get to be together uh, through the online service and being able to read your word together. Lord, we thank you for uh, just this account. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh that through the miracles and through the signs that many, many people believed and many, many people believed just through uh, your claims, Lord. And we thank you that we have your gospels, that we have written testimonies that have been uh, kept and preserved so that we can study you. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that each day we can hear your voice a little louder, a little clearer, and that we don't miss it, that we don't miss you. And we thank you so much for your love. It's in your name we pray, amen.
1: When the sea is calm and all is bright When I feel your favor flood my life Even in the good I'll follow you in the good I'll follow you When the boat is tossed upon the waves When I wonder if you'll keep me safe Even in the storms I'll follow you Even in the storms I'll follow you Cause I believe And I believe everything that you say. You.
3: church family. It was so fun to open up the new year with you, and I pray that you have an amazing week, and hopefully we'll be together soon.